0: So there we go with the uh, anthemic disco track that is this continues to be Rock Your Baby uh, from George McRae and live on the line George, welcome to England
1: Thank you very much, glad to be here to speak to you
0: Yeah, What a massive track Rock Baby
1: is Oh man, yes, that's called my bread and butter track It's, it's an evergreen it's, it's
0: still selling, isn't it?
1: Still selling, yes am I, right in think,
0: am I right in thinking it's done 50 million copies worldwide?
1: Yes, a lot <laughs> more, more than that Goodness me yeah
0: goodness me and um actually you came to that song by chance didn't you it was intended for casey and the sunshine band
1: oh yeah it was uh yeah came for casey sunshine band Casey said, i uh, recorded this track uh this was before the mccain case of sunshine band. right it was uh called uh, the and new band at the time oh, okay and um they, had, they had finished a song called the queen of clubs
0: oh yes i remember that one
1: and that was kind of a, 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 a hidden ailment,
2: mm-hmm.
1: and uh, I was going back to the studio to do a, do an album and everything. In case they cut this track, and uh, it was too high for him to sing it. So, and because Queen of Clubs, uh, I was singing on the Queen of Clubs, right? Back, background vocals. Uh-huh. She's the Queen of Clubs. the yeah. Background vocals, along yep. with Betty Wright and my ex-wife Gwen Gray. huh. And um, and I did the high. Ah! doesn't mean donaldi have vocals on
0: it's right I'm, I'm all right in thinking yeah. that um that it was actually intended for gwen to sing it but she was late to uh, the recording session i
1: I'll, I'll speak about the queen of clubs the queen of clubs That's, uh, then uh, uh rick finch came to me his partner came to me and said we, we recorded this track and it's two and a half of cases the same, but two of us be fantastic on it because you got to have voice and I know you can sing it. Mm-hmm. And uh and the track it uh, be uh Rock Your Baby. Yeah. And uh when we the You and I uh, recorded it in our uh, one take.
0: One take, fantastic.
1: Yeah. And I mean
0: it's one it's it's one of the biggest it continues to be uh, one of the biggest songs ever made, doesn't it?
1: It is, one of the biggest songs ever made all through the whole world. Yeah, so, uh, Wow. It's a <laughs> love song.
0: Fantastic, yes, absolutely. It still gets played uh, regularly. It's on rotation here in the UK. As is another big track of yours, this from 1975 is It's Been So Long. Right, so how did it all begin for you? Did you start singing in church? Oh,
1: yes, let me know. You've come from America, you know, especially in the southern part of America. Mm-hmm. You start in church first, you know. That was the the basic of uh, the base for singing. Yeah. And it was spiritual songs, and uh, I started singing when I was about six years old. Right. And uh, I did a Christmas uh, song, Silent Night. All right. And uh, I got a standing ovation. Fantastic. At six years old, I said, "Wow," you know. And and from that day on, you know, I, I enjoyed singing. Lovely
0: during uh, during your school years you formed a band called the jiving jets
1: correct uh that was in my um high school days okay and my uh junior high days too we had this group called the jiving jets and now uh, we sung with them we sung around you know doing the small uh local gigs and um talent shows
0: fantastic well that's where you got to cut your teeth isn't it that's where you get your experience
1: yeah, yeah and we were doing some by you know like like the platters and the ink spots and oh yeah stuff like that you know lovely could have the songs standing and also you're doing also uh blue songs it was a great great time for me to, to learn
0: yeah so so what were your early influences was it, was it do what was it blues was it soul
1: oh it was blues, soul, and blue and soul combination mm. but my uh influence was uh sam cook oh of course my idol yeah he was of my course. Fantastic. He was my guru god <laughs>
0: Um, and then Uncle Sam beckoned, and off you went to the United States Navy.
1: Oh, yeah, that was when uh, our Vietnam War was was starting.
2: Oh, right. Oh, dear. Time.
1: And hmm. I had just got away from high school, and uh, I was set to go to uh, the university. Mm-hmm. But my parents couldn't afford to send me because we had uh, had two more of my, my, my... Two of my sisters already going to university, so uh, I was an odd man out. So I had no choice but to uh, either hang out on the blocks and get in trouble uh join the military yeah so i joined the military so i joined the united states navy and um that was one of the best choices i made i think how, how long did you do in the navy was it four years i, uh, I think uh four years uh active duty and two years uh reserve right did you
2: get
0: any opportunity to
1: sing uh while you were that in the course, navy the whole time in the navy i was singing i was singing off time and formed my own little band in the navy and it was doing our thing you know uh Lovely. It was around that. Place.
0: It was around that time that you uh,
1: married Gwen. How did you meet? Oh, I met Gwen when I was um, when I was in the navy. I was like uh, 20 years old. Mm-hmm. I met in the navy then, and uh, I married her. Uh, I was stationed in Pensacola, Florida, then. Okay. And I was with her for about eight months. Then I, I was shipped overseas to uh, Japan. Mm-hmm. So I spent uh, 18 months in Japan. Along it, 18 months there, I was in the Philippines and, and Vietnam, flying. You know, I had a, I was in the aviation squadron.
0: Oh, I see. Um, when you came out of the Navy, you reformed the band, this time with Gwen yeah, as part of it. Right? We
1: uh, reformed the, um, my group, uh, the driving jets back again, mm-hmm. and, uh, we incorporated Gwen with the group, and, um, and that was because of, uh, we had lost a member in Vietnam, right? Fortunately, Yeah. And so, uh, we put Gwen into the group, and we started saying, uh, so we lasted about a year, year and a half mm-hmm. then, and, uh, that didn't work out because other fellas had obligations, they were married, and,
2: you mm-hmm. know,
1: so on and so forth, and, so the we pol- broke up, so Gwen and I became uh, a duo group.
2: Yeah, yeah, and caught
0: the attention of Henry Stone, didn't you? Tell me about yeah. your introduction to the Alston label.
1: Well, Alston so label we got into, uh, because because uh, we was actually singing uh, opening acts uh, in West Palm Beach uh, for Betty Wright. Oh, right. She had a hit then, and yeah. um, we used an opening act, and we turned the place out. And so our Betty Wright producer, Woody Clark, and her manager at the time came to me and said, Hey, um, we just started an uh, Austin label, label in uh, Miami. We're looking for talent. I think you guys could be great there. You know, we'd like to uh, come down and talk to you about it. Uh, you come down to us and we... So I said, okay. Uh, he gave him a telephone number to call him. And um, I put it in my wallet. And I didn't call him until about a year later. Because <laughs> <laughs> I didn't think it was ready yet, you know? Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> so um, when that happened, uh, I went. We went, the next day I went to a club in uh, West Palm Beach called the Candy Bar. All right, and uh, I was basically all uh, basically um, all business. Uh, different people, clientele. There, uh,
2: mm-hmm.
1: we went there just to check it out. And there's a band playing called Apollo Myth. Right. So we asked the owner of the, of the club so, uh, could we could be up to do a song. He said sure. So we got up there and we did our uh, knock on wood. And yeah, uh, when something wrong with my bed with the band, 'cause the band was playing all R and B kind of music. All right. And pff, got a stand turned the place out. Brilliant. So really? the manager bought, they came over and bought a bottle of champagne and sent us down there, you know, and it was treated like royalty. <laughs> 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 it was fantastic. And then the next, in the following week, he gives a phone call and asks us, uh, ask us if we would like to uh, perform at the club, you know, for six nights a week. Yeah. Because then I was doing all kind of, all, all kind of jobs, you know, uh, part-time job, the doorman and everything I can to pay my rent and yeah. hustle around. So, yeah. Have a six-day, a uh, permanent job, six days a week, and uh, performing the this singing and singing. So uh, I took the challenge, and um, we uh, started performing there in the club in the Candy Bar Nightclub, West Palm Beach. Excellent. Yeah, it, it was a great time because uh, I was getting paid there, and also. Uh, he actually would like to uh, do the maintenance of the, of the club, clean it up yeah, as another part-time job. Yeah. Sure, I'll take it, I'll do it. <laughs> so I had to sing at night, you know, sing at night there and after night, get up in the morning go in and clean just the club up and get ready up. for the next night.
2: Lovely, lovely. I had
1: to love it though because uh, we were getting paid at a time, a lot of money to us like, for singing. Yeah. But the extra money, you know, I found oh, for, just to clean the club up. I found money on the floor, unbelievable. <laughs> $20 bills, $50 bills, $100 yeah. bills. <laughs>
0: Great stuff. Tips. Tips. <laughs> <clears throat> uh, you cut three singles for uh, the Alston label, like Yesterday Our Love Is Gone, 1969. And yeah. s- s- the flip side yeah, to yeah, that is a gorgeous a- track, a- Stranded yeah. in This Broken Heart of Mine. Should we give it a play? You released that twice, didn't you? Yeah.
1: And um, and also uh, one of these days is another. Oh, now did. that's
0: that was written by Mickey Stevenson, wasn't it? Yeah. it was Mickey Stevenson on the songwriting team because he'd left Motown at that time, hadn't he? Was he working for?
1: No, he wasn't. We just did the cover song. You know, we uh, right. did, you know, uh, uh, producer time was our uh, Brad Shapiro mm-hmm. and our uh, Steve Valermo, and right. uh, we uh, just just did, did the cover song.
0: Ah, I see see yeah lovely so those three tracks came out as george and gwen um gwen was then given a, a solo contract yep
1: yeah, they wanted to at the time then uh a lot of fee- uh r&b's uh females were doing solo
2: yeah
1: uh from Mother Stable, so they wanted to have a, their own single real soul gospel kind of solo singer mm-hmm and Gwen had the type of voice that she can do that. So uh they asked me, that, you know, uh, to they, could they record Gwen separately? I said, well, sure, you know. Yeah. The whole of that said, sure.
2: Great, because you, you were,
1: were. Let it go. Yeah, you were. So stepped back and let, let them uh, just start recording. I started just uh, managing Gwen and um, taking care of well, basically, you know. Lovely. The theater and everything. So
0: Lovely. But you kept yourself busy as well, didn't you? Because you were working as a backing vocalist, weren't you, for people like right. Betty Lattimore and Betty Wright?
1: Yeah, Betty Wright, latimore you name it, Timmy Thomas. Mm. Of Casey at the time he was for folk recording, recording there
0: too. Yeah, and yeah, Casey and the Sunshine Band. I interviewed uh, Oliver Brown, the percussionist, not long ago. Nice man. Um, yeah, it was...
1: Sorry? Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, it was, it was a very, very um, exciting time then, you know. Mm. And, you get, and they gave me a chance to really understand recording and um, learn the craft.
0: Yeah, well, I mean, you certainly did. To say, that, I mean, that, that shot you straight into stardom, didn't it? That uh, Rocky Baby song. Oh, yeah, that came...
1: Overnight. In, um, it came later on in 1974.
0: Mm. In fact, didn't you get a Grammy Award nomination for Best male R&B
1: vocalist? Yes, I did. I surely Wow, did. what an accolade. Only Man Beat Me Out was Stevie Wonder. <laughs> Stevie the Wonder. Yeah, that's right.
0: right. Brilliant. And, of course, another massive track of yours from the 70s was a duet with your then-wife Gwen McCrae. Winners Together, Losers Apart is next.
1: Don't you think it's a about-
0: Big, big track from 1976, still getting plays on the modern scene today, as yourself and your then-wife, Gwen, with Winners Together, Losers Apart. But what was it like working at TK Records, uh, the parent company for Alston? I mean, it was a young label, there must have been lots going off, lots of excitement.
1: It was uh, was a great experience. All the artists loved to sing, you know, we worked with each other and helped each other out and...
2: Was it like a family feel? Because uh, it uh, must have been the
1: quite a... thing. It was like a family thing. Uh, you know, Better write sang on my song, and uh, Gwen was singing on Better song and my song. I sang all the songs, and we also um, also then we became we were doing Better write myself, and Glenn. We became so known for R and B black background singers. We was hired also by Criteria Records to do songs to so do background singing for. For
0: artists there. Yeah, I mean, you did work with people like uh, the Jackson Five and James Brown, didn't you? Yeah,
1: and right. when, and, the, when, and another one of those artists there was uh, Bill Wyman. Oh, right. He sung on his album. Oh, right. His Monkey Grip album. Yeah, of course, from the Rolling Stones. Lovely. Yeah, from the Rolling Stones. Lovely. Gwen and I and, and uh, Betty Rass doing the background vocals on
0: that. Uh, I see, I see. You also turned your hand to songwriting, didn't you? Yes, I did. Uh, is that something you've always done? I th- was your first song Take It All Off? From 1974, the first yes, one you had published. Nice, nice record. You've been playing your little games for
2: quite
1: some time. Take it off.
0: Take it Take it all, all, <laughs> all off. <laughs> Great track. Um, you had uh, two further single releases from that. I can't leave you alone, and it's been so long. That it's been so long. That was a massive
2: track in the UK.
1: Oh, yes, it was. Uh, oh, uh, What can I say? It was, uh, it was written by uh, Casey Finch. Okay. Uh, at the time. Uh, That's from my second album. That was entitled George McCray. Yeah. The and Baby album. And has
2: uh, been so long
1: since It was a nice song. When I, yeah. when I saw the text of that, you know, I just. Like all my songs I did with Casey Finch all done in one take. Wow. All the
0: songs. Brilliant. This one I mean, the second album I mean got some great tracks on it. You you mentioned it's been so long. I Ain't Lying is another one of my favourites. Yeah. Sing a happy song.
1: Sing a happy song, yeah.
0: Beautiful. And there's Sing a Happy Song, taken from your second uh, LP on TK Records, simply called George McRae. Um, so, you went on to uh, record Diamond Touch"
1: with oh, TK. Oh, yeah, yeah, Am
0: I right in thinking you were playing percussion on that?
1: Yeah, very pardon?
0: You were playing percussion on that album?
1: Uh, yeah, I've been doing the, uh, on that Doom uh doom
2: doom doom
1: doom. And singing and doing the background vocals on it, too. Yeah, it
0: yeah. And also, uh, songwriting as well. You, f- you teamed up with Robert Geiger. Yes, L- I did. Loved and Lost and danced through the yeah, storm.
1: That, that band, we did it together. And, uh, it was my, uh, my second band that I had. And, uh, it was, uh, called, uh, Newborn Band.
0: Oh, right. I wasn't aware of that.
1: Yeah, it was a newborn band. And, uh, it was all my musicians I had playing on the whole tracks. We cut everything. And then Ray Diamond was a course playing the piano on some of the tracks. Right. And uh, it was a great experience. That was that was my New York project. We did it in New York City.
0: Oh, I see. I shall look that up. I don't know anything about that. Mm, mm. That one that one slipped through the net then, George. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um so the album We Did It, I think that was your last LP on T K before you yeah. decided to um, well go into retirement. What what drove that? I you know, know you moved, you moved to Canada, it, was it I a distance there?
1: Sorry? That again? You
0: know, Didn't you go into, you moved to Canada, you got, um, you got remarried, uh, moved to Canada and, and went into semi-retirement in 1980?
1: Oh, yeah. oh yeah, okay, that's because of, um, we were having uh, difficulties at the time, uh, TK Records, um, going bankrupt.
0: Ah, that explains it, yeah. um,
1: And because of, uh, the situ- it went bankrupt because of the situation with um, the guy that burned all the disco records, dance music records in uh, Chicago, Yeah, you know, and favorite punk Rock That's right,
0: the, the big disco sucks campaign.
1: Yeah, it was so, a you know, so they won't try to bury disco because I would say because they can't stand to see people can't stand to see people to be happy. Yeah. And love it, you know? In peace.
0: Amazing. Amazing. <laughs> so, right, so what was Canada like then? Um you were still working?
1: No, yep, I uh I was still working in too, but um when uh TK Records went, uh became bankrupt, uh, I left and moved to uh Canada. Mhm. Because I was having uh, personal problems then, yeah. And so uh, my best move to really to move to Canada.
2: Mm-hmm. But
0: it wasn't very long before you uh, went back into recording then, but this time with a European label, Say What Records, which was aimed at the dance market, wasn't it? Mhm. One step closer. Let's give the title track a spin.
1: I uh, recorded it. Uh, one Step Closer to Love is the album I recorded in England. And you and
0: c- you co wrote that title track, didn't you? And produced it. One Step Closer mm-hmm. to Love.
1: Yep. Along with Russ Mitchell, the mm-hmm. producer of it. He was out of uh, Winnipeg, Manitoba. Okay. And I think it was, it was a great album, actually. Yeah, yeah. It was one. It was one of the great albums I did in nineteen eighty four. Mm-hmm. All the songs I think were fantastic on it. And uh, actually, we we um, licensed it to our President record in England. Well, oh, President,
0: yes, that's right. That's right. Yeah. I mean, it entered the charts in England as well, didn't it?
1: Yeah, in was fascinating. Yeah, yeah. So, but uh, what, what happened was um, it was starting to take off. Where would, then all of a sudden Michael came along. <laughs> That's in Jackson. Yeah, and he killed everything. Yeah,
0: he, he cast a big shadow, didn't he?
1: Yeah, it was great though. You know, it was wonderful. Mm. It was a wonderful time.
0: Brilliant. And um, you were uh, joined a German label. Uh, 1987. Was that Ariola? The then, to Areola, yes. re recorded Rocky baby and all of a sudden you were uh, back up there in the European dance charts correct and it's hardly surprising with tracks like this taken from your 1984 album Own the night this is called just another fool. Is that what it, uh, I believe. Did you, you moved across to Europe shortly after, didn't you?
1: Yeah, I came over. I came over from you from Canada mm-hmm. in 1984, All eight, oh, right. Yeah. How did and, you find? Um, how did you I find told, life um, in because Europe? Because of that, the, the cha- Then a promoter was looking for me, and but believe it or not, Henry Stone had became, had gone back in business. You oh know, right. Signed a label. Signed a label in Miami. So I gave him your phone call. You know. Hmm. And he told me, uh, there was a promoter looking for you out of Germany. I said, promoter? I said, yeah. And he gave me a telephone number. Right. So I called him and uh, he asked me, did you like to do a tour in Germany? I said, well, sure. I said, oh, I can start singing again. Wonderful. I say, then I said, how long the tour is going to be? He said, as long as you want it. <laughs> <laughs> I said, what? Oh, okay. I'll be right there. And I came to Europe and um, I've been here ever since, basically. Yeah.
0: I mean, how do, you, how do you find Europe compared
1: to America? The lifestyle? I find it fantastic. You know, it's, uh, Europe has been very, very good to me all the way, you know, because I think Europe is the one that really uh, preserved the music yeah. and the history of music, you know, especially in England. It's unbelievable. Oh, I mean,
0: um, with, with the interviews that I've done, I have noticed that in America, it's a case of, yeah, that song was a hit, but what you got next? That, that was yesterday. Whereas yeah, in England we, yeah. and Europe, we tend to, if, if something's good, we cling on to it, and it's, it's good forever, it's, like, it's timeless, this
1: yeah. This is why, I this is why you have uh, classical music, you know. Mm. You know, it's called the classical music now, you know, because, because it started way back then, you know, <laughs> they told it and showed, these guys were all young people. And to me, it was rock and roll music in, during that period. Then well, they gave a different name, you know, it's classical music now because they did they, they did things out of their head. They had to write everything down, mm-hmm. you note know, for note, and you know, and they didn't have electronic equipment then how they did it, but it was still rock and roll. Absolutely, because, of, because of everyone who was doing it was young people. Rock and roll born out of the youth.
2: Yeah, and you got the older
1: lot. ones, but the youth, you know, so they took, uh, and they, they, every generation want to create their own uh, style of music. That's, That's true. That's why it's so always evolving. That yeah. makes it so great. It but, they it, but they borrow from the past, you know. They borrow ideas, and, like a, making a new cake or something, mix it up and come out with something brand new.
0: That's right. Tweak the recipe. Quite yes. right. Yes. Uh, but you've got a very uh, appreciative audience in, uh, in Europe, haven't you? You've been um, releasing music on European labels ever since.
1: Oh, yes, ever since.
0: Uh... I remember in 1995, you released an album on a German label called Do Something. A great track on there called uh, If Our Love Comes to an End. do they keep you busy
1: oh i'm totally busy like 365 days a year actually wow yeah i'm working all the time it's not in spain italy germany austria the netherlands here you know england
0: great and i mean it's not um it's not all the old 70s classics the miami sound it's each each album's putting you back in the charts isn't it uh, breathless was in the top 20 of the dance charts in europe from your album with all my heart we'll listen to that next And so there's a great track called Breathless, again taken from your 1995 CD, Do Something. Nice tune.
1: Oh, yes, thank you.
0: Uh, Top ten in Belgium, Luxembourg and Holland, you
1: know. Oh, well, you really have done your study.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Uh, And then you took a bit of a break before you came back with um, uh, an album called Time for a Change. So that got some reworked tunes on it. But also some lovely covers. I mean for me, Neil Young's Harvest Moon's a beautiful track. And um, and your your version is really, really nice. Well
1: thank you. I really uh Neil Young, I really love that song, you know, that he did Harvest Moon, you
0: know. Yeah, beautiful.
1: And also uh, another sweet dreams of you. Oh right, yeah. Song that my country roots because I grew up listening to country too. You know, I love country music too. Yeah, yeah. That's all. That's all we had in, in uh, my hometown of West Palm Beach. Radio station was uh, country music all the time. Oh, say. So you grew up listening to all the, you know, to Johnny Cash and Loretta Lynn and yeah,
0: because that's right. Because because back Saint then the, the, and the period we're talking about, they didn't necessarily have uh, black radio stations, did they? The, the, it was so, white owned and white music, and that's what you had.
1: Yeah, no, and the radio station only had like uh one hour of black black uh music. Yeah. Uh called the uh Bucky Johnson show. He right. only had one hour on double double Radio right. at eight o'clock. <laughs> 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 8 a M. radio. It's good end. Okay, gotta listen to this right now. Bucky Johnson show.
0: Fantastic. Um anyway, and tell th- me about I mean your uh your talent and um, achievements didn't go unnoticed. You got the coveted Radio Luxembourg Golden Lion Award for Outstanding Achievement by a foreign artist.
1: Oh, yeah. They've given it to me, um... They had uh, in uh, Dortmund, Germany. Yeah. I received that. I had no idea, you know. Well, I mean. And uh, and I was, uh, Franklin Archer was the only one. That's right. For me to receive an award from uh, a national award like that. Because more
0: more often than not, that's European only. You've really got to uh, stand out for an American to be given that award. So very well done for that your most recent cd was called love that was three years ago mm-hmm. uh, and that's uh, straight back to your soul roots isn't it soul yes. funk pop nice track in fact sexy woman is uh, a lovely lovely record as well as the title track love so you're still doing what you do best have you got any more plans to record
1: more music have you got another cd pending of course uh, of course i have plans to record some more i'm working on it now
0: excellent lovely right george thank you very much for uh, giving me this chat it's been really interesting talking to you and um, i look forward to meeting you at gig now
1: Okay, pleasure talking to
0: you. Bye-bye. Lovely. So I'm going to play out now with a title track from your most recent CD from 2016. This is Love, and it's available for purchase either on CD format, vinyl format, or download as MP3 on Amazon, amongst other stores.